Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. You are listening to Scoop B Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoop B Radio, DJ Manuel. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoopy and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on his media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com slash poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopyradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R-A-D-I-O dot com slash P-O-L-L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. What up, Rockstar? What's up, my brother? How you feeling? I'm trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. How you doing? Ain't nothing wrong with that. I was cool. Can't Good morning. Yes, sir. So, how have you been productive during the pandemic? Uh-huh. How have you been productive during the pandemic. Um, it feels good. You got to stay productive no matter what, what what the climate is. You got to figure it out. I mean, you can't uh, you can't let the pandemic stop you from getting to the bag or getting to some money or trying to you know, in a better position. Never. You just did a feature in Ford last week. I was impressed first and foremost because you talked about saucy extracts. Um, that is an advance in wake and bake if I've ever seen it because it's legal, but at the same time, it gives people an opportunity to be entrepreneurial. For you, from the block 
to being legal, you you must have a a, a, a badge of, of, of honor. The fact that you were able to pull that off and, and start your own company with Saucy Extract. Tell me more about that. Just happened to be at the right place at the right time, and God, God, God shining this light on me. Um, got some dope partners. Um, with all the smoking I've been doing throughout my career, it's been so visible that you know sure. they trust my judgment when it comes to smoke, smoking weed. Um, so it was natural. It, it just made sense, and here we have it. Uh, three going on four years later, we actually up and running with over a hundred dispensaries in the California area. We have numerous amounts of products that's in the store. Um, we give back to the communities. Um, you know, we, we, we try to stress the limit and we keep pushing, pushing forward to new ideas and stuff like that. When you look at guys who have done time for distributing illegally and you see the fact that you're now able to do it legally, retroactively, if you rule the world for the day, now I've made the song If I Rule the World, if Jimmy Jones ruled the world for the day, how would you retroactively get some of those guys in the workplace and maybe getting out of jail for doing it illegally? Oh, I mean, if I ruled the world, we wouldn't have been in jail for the first place for seven weeks. But um, it's just, it's just, uh, it's crazy to see how uh, many states are legalizing weed and how many people are still locked up for those same offenses. Not saying that they haven't been letting out. Uh, people who have been uh, convicted for marijuana crimes, which now are being overturned, but I'm saying they need to let everybody go. You know what I mean? They need to let these people out for the crimes that we are now doing, smoking and enjoying legally in numerous amounts of states. Um, but one thing they do have is the, uh, the equity program, um, which they've been giving back to the, uh, people who've been locked up for the same crimes. They're actually giving them a chance to open up their own dispensaries and grow their own weed and things like that. So, I think that is pretty dope what the government is doing with that. Last time me and you spoke on record, I caught you right before, during your Thanksgiving giveaway uh, when you were giving away turkeys and more. And we talked about J.R. Smith, and you told me he needed to get signed. Well, damn it, he got signed by the Lakers. What do you think? Hey, man, you got you to take it while you can get it. You know what I mean? I mean I'm, glad, I'm glad he got signed. It's, it's fucked up that he got signed in the midst of a pandemic where all the rules for playing are going to be extremely different, but he still got a shot to get back on that on that court and prove how dope he is. And he's back with LeBron again. It's, as crazy as it may seem, the same guy who held the ball and called the timeout or whatever he did. He, he pulled the Chris Webber. He caught, he caught a Chris Webber moment. But um, he's back next to the king and he gets a, a chance to prove himself once again. Is your money on the Lakers? Um, I don't got no money on nobody this year, man. I'm going to scrap this year up for me. I'll wait till next year when they get a little bit more organized and not trying to save the end of the year and take them to some Disney World tournament. feel like um, they're about to play uh, Pop Warner or something. Like they're about to play some lowly Joyce or something. That's all good. The next guy like Slime does, not playing. Kyrie not playing his shoulder. You got KD not going. Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan. News came out the other day. Torian uh, Prince is not playing. What's up with New York, man? The Knicks ain't going to the bubble. They got the record. I don't think they're feeling the whole energy of being cooped up to play basketball down in uh, Disney. But on the flip side, we all got a job to do. So when circumstances change, you got to change the circumstance. Um, I know they're accustomed to playing with fans and things like that, but I think that uh, fans have nothing to do with the check that these owners been giving you so you can play ball on that on, on that ball court. So whoever is one person in that 
arena or whether it's a hundred million people in that arena, your obligation is to still get on that court and play your uh, 48 minutes of basketball to get your check. But, you know, who am I? But I would say that's how businesses ran, right? Well, it's funny you say who am I because but you told me that my LeBron James needs to be the logo for the NBA. You hear Kobe uh, discussing, you know, or people discussing Kobe should be the logo. Um, at the same time, when you look at the death of Kobe Bryant, what did he mean to you as a basketball player? Screen is a little frozen. Screen is a little frozen. We're going to get Jim back in a minute. Hope everybody's doing well. For those who are just tuning in, my name is Brandon Scoopy Robinson, senior writer at Heavy.com and the host of the Scoop B Radio podcast. Um, we're talking basketball. We're talking uh, extracts. We're talking a myriad of different things. Jim, we're getting you back in now. Give me one second. Mr. Jones. Yeah. One eye Willie. I don't think the Graham likes when y'all be doing all these talk shows and stuff like that. <laughs> they, don't, they don't like they don't like the big the bigger picture. They know y'all trying to get your numbers up so you possibly get a talk show on the network and stuff and they don't get none of that. So you gotta watch it. They be cutting everybody lives right in the middle of, of lives mysteriously. So you know. It, it started with D nice. They didn't want him to be great. Now his thing is clear as hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and versus versus they figured it out. You you looked at uh what was it? Early on it was uh what was it? Uh Babyface and um and uh what's the name? Uh I, you know, I, I haven't watched all the verses, but I remember it was Babyface and um Damn, I forget that. Man. <laughs> I don't know, but versus did something smart. I do believe that Swiss actually uh believed had a meeting with the Grand or something like that, the way they yeah. had that with Apple Music and things like that. So that's a little bit different for them. They feel like they included. For those who not including them, you know, you get a little bit of turbulence. You get the Teddy, Teddy Riley. Riley. My man Jerry Green just said it. Teddy Riley. Teddy Riley, yeah, you get the Teddy Riley treatment. Did you check out Fab and Jada a couple weeks ago? Yeah, that's one that's one versus that I did check out. That was the uh pretty much the only versus that I j- did check out. I mean I'm, what did I'm you cool. Was, I mean, not like I'm not saying that this wasn't, you know, versus wasn't the best the thing that I had to, wasn't running to. I had other things to do. But the Jada and Fab joint, I made sure I carved out some time so I could sit there and, and, and watch that, which was dope. I like how they did it. They was in the same room together. Jada was twisted. Fab was fly. You know, <laughs> shit that we expect. He did the grown man thing that became a mean, that dance he was doing. Yes, they mean Jim out. Yo, if you had the chance to do a versus with anybody, in your era, I'm going to just throw this out there. Would you like to do a versus with 50 Cent? No. Who would be your equal to do a versus with? I'm not too uh, keen on doing a versus. I told that to everybody. I mean, I don't have too many friends in this industry as it is. You know what I mean? So I don't know if there's too many people that are actually going to get in the same room with me to do a versus. Um, I've kind of been labeled a bug out. So, you know, but I think the verses is a great concept. Um, I do have a good, a great catalog after so many years in this game. Diplomat, we have incredible catalog. Um, Shouts to Swiss because he uh, definitely, definitely uh, hit me up about the verses for uh, 
diplomats and he asked me out. Who do I see in mind, which is a very difficult question because obviously most people will say Dipset versus G-Unit, but that's, you mm-hmm. know, that'll never happen. So One of the things that I find fascinating about you, uh, my, one of my college roommates is in the lab, my, my boy Matt. I used to go back and forth from home. I used to, people used to sell mixtapes and DVDs right in front of, you know, my family store on the 125th, Men's Walkers and the Athlete's Foot. And I used to go back to Philly area, Eastern Universities. I went to school in Pennsylvania. And I used to, like, put people up on Smack. I used to put people up on A Day in the Fast Life, Harlem, A Diary of the Summer, all that stuff. And I remember watching the Day in the Fast Life DVD. Scoop B Radio. And when you was in that store, when you was roped over the guy with the, with the, with the clothes, when you were trying to get the Pele Pele levels, all that stuff. But the thing that I found very fascinating about you from a business perspective was that Kevin Laws put you in a position to not only be an artist, but to also scout new talent. You had the best of both worlds because you, were, you had the keen eye of knowing who was hot because you were actually in the music scene. From your perspective, how did you have an office position prepare you two steps ahead? Well, I, that was a whole, that was a great time in my life. I got, that was a great learning experience for me. Um, one, I was a bit too young at the time and I didn't have nobody in my corner who, who can explain the position I was in that I need to take every opportunity that comes my way and grab it with both hands and really milk it. Um, but for the most part, it was a great learning lesson. Um, I definitely had a, a big position and it doesn't change today. I'm still great with great with finding talent and seeing who's next. Um, I give my shout out to Kevin Lyles for seeing how dope I am when it comes to the brain that I have and things like that. Um, I don't know if my office acumen was up to par, but with time I've learned, you know what I mean? So uh, if I were presented with a similar opportunity nowadays, I think that I would approach it much different and definitely get the most out of it and definitely help a lot of people in that position I am with me being in that position that, that's the most important thing for me like I don't I don't need the permission for accolades or for you know I mean anybody's validation I, I really like to help people I'm very creative have a very creative mind and very compassionate person when it comes to seeing making a success out of people or helping people so you know when I looked at the, just that whole smack DVD era um, and I looked at you just you know being a personality the only other person that I see made that seamless transition where you were utilizing YouTube to get the network money was Joe Button. Did you and your, just in the sense of Joe Button TV with Tahiri and things of that sort, when you were on these Smack DVDs, did you and your wildest dream imagine that people would take your personality seriously enough to make you a reality TV show star? Um. I don't know. I mean, just the, the, the life I was living and just the, me having the cameras around me and them happening, being able to upload it on YouTube and just, you know, to see something so raw, person so raw, person like myself at the time with all the things that I've been in, the controversy that I've caused and things like that within this industry, just to be that up and close and personal with me, you know, it was compelling. And the network seen that as they were doing reality TV in different forms, but to get something so raw and to attach themselves to the culture was a plus for them and even then I was way ahead of my time and I should have sat back and took control a little bit more but you know I don't cry over spilt milk nor do I regret anything it definitely it definitely helped me out a lot in my life and in my career 
by making that move when damn the industry wanted to condemn me for doing a reality TV move, which is funny because everybody in the industry would die to be on a reality television show right now. Yeah. Stevie Wonder could see that. Jim Jones in the building on Instagram Live. You, um, I feel like, first and foremost, Kanye West is in the news right now. He wants to run for president. Cool. Incidentally, you, I guess, you work with Kanye. You, in the, you guys were in the studio doing the Rockefeller era. Um, yeah. He used your name to check into a hotel room or ride into a hospital room years ago. Yeah. I talked to your mother about that on my podcast a couple of years back, and she thought it was hilarious. On a scale of one to ten, how funny did you find it? What that he's using my name to get in the hospital? Yeah, I find that I find that very funny. But you know, how, you know, you know how it goes. You want to use an alias, and I don't know if I was on his mind at the time, but Jim Jones probably was the first name that came to his mind. <laughs> I don't use Tom Cruise when I'm in the hotel sometimes, so I could, I understand how it goes. That's real. That's real. You, um, to me, uh, when I look at the Breakfast Club, I see me, I see uh, Envy, and I see Charlemagne as the underdog. Charlemagne is a guy who, you know, was the guy behind uh, Wendy Williams, and he's a star. You look at me, she, you know, she was a manager of an artist, and then you look at Envy, the DJ, the guy who has the voice but may not be the rapper. When I look at you, I see you in the same vein because you literally played five, all five positions on the floor before you became the headliner. You were the manager. You were the security. You were the bully. You were more. When I look at Stuart Scott, he did the same thing when he was on ESPN. He was able to, you know, look play so many different roles. How did those roles that you played before you became the headliner prepare you for where you are now? Um... So the roles that I played, I was I was helping somebody else prepare for them being the head. And that was Cam and Joel's in the beginning. So it was Cam, and then as Joel's came along, he became mm-hmm. successful in all the things that I had to do to help build the success with things that I used for myself to build my success. And I had a different understanding of the game because I wasn't approaching it as an artist. I was approaching it as a hustler. So it was two different mindsets. You know what I mean? For sure. How is Joel? Joel's is good. He should be home in a few weeks. So God bless. God spare life. Can't wait to see him. Your son goes to my high school alma mater, John Bosco Prep. Yes. How is he doing in football? Um. Well, he's been having the trainer over the house three times out the week, and um, I know they're about to start some virtual training. I believe. Um, I don't know what what that means for next year uh, as far as the school season and football goes, but. He's definitely preparing, you know, preparation is everything. Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Five yes, sir. Not that. Yes, sir. Max B wrote the hook for balling. Is that correct? It's absolutely false. It totally is? Absolutely false. Why do people get totally, that confused? Totally, 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 totally absolutely false. No why, do, why do people get that confused? I don't know. You know how people like to suck dick out here in this in this world. They just, just want to say what the fuck come up the ass. You know, I, I just you know when it comes to the ball, and the only thing that uh, I look back and wish that um, I could change, and I probably still can't change it. Um, was a girl, uh, one of my friends, uh, mother's child, actually came and sung the hook. Oh, sung the sung sung the hook for me that I wrote. And um, you know, I don't think she ever got compensated the right way. So maybe I have to backtrack and you know, pull her name up and see if I could. 
Give her a check yourself for actually doing that. But now I, I write all my music, man. That's that's plain and simple. Everybody knows that for years. You know, people get on these uh blogs and these social media and just be talking out their ass just to get a just to get a spike or a like or a view and things like that. You know, people don't people don't believe the truth. They believe the gram. So you know, whatever's, whatever's posted on the gram, they take that as Bible. You know, you can't you can't stop ignorance. Yeah, and I me myself once was blessed, so I could totally understand it. Help me debunk a myth. Debunk a myth. You and Philly artists and DC artists have debated about New Balance. Who made it cool first in fashion? Um, who did? Who did? New Balance. Well, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, New Balance is a big DC sneaker. Um, when I was younger, I had never been to DC, so in the '80s, I I, I couldn't tell you if. New Balance was popping in D.C. like it was popping in New York City and things like that. But, you know, I'm from New York City, so I remember them from the 80s. Everything I remember comes from New York City. And if you want to get technical, they only was rocking New Balance. They probably didn't have access to all the sneakers we had access to in New York City, but they were wearing them like they were from New York. Whatever dress code they was doing was a New York dress code because New York was hip-hop. It didn't matter where you were from. You were trying to dress like New York City and the rappers that came from New York City all the South artists, everything. There was a point in time where if you were watching a rap video and you was the press mute, you would think everybody was from New York <laughs> just by watching what they had on. So, you know, tomato, tomatoes. We know how this goes. The 90s to me, you talk about everybody being from New York. Diddy, Jay, um, you know, work, work King. But before that, you had, you know, Jam Master Jay. You had... You had LL Cool J. You had all these different people. I feel like in basketball, you don't really have the New York ball player that represents New York, and everybody knows it when they see it. I feel like in hip hop, New York has lost that luster too. To be a New York rapper, do you have to just exemplify New York, or do you have to touch everybody? Because when I look at Game, Game was an LA-based rapper that had a New York feel to it. Can New York reverse that when you have a New York rapper who has an L.A. feel to people out there? I mean, I, I, I did it. I was a New York sure. rapper that gave L.A. a, a L.A. feel. They, they loved me on the West Coast like I was from the West Coast. So it's, it's always possible. But I don't think that's necessary come to be a New York artist. Like, you just need to stay deep-rooted in who you want to be and what you want to do. You got to understand the business and, 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 and the trickery that makes this business work. You got to have your market in them and promotion and you got to have your right uh, connections you got to know who to call where to spend your money it's a mix of everything you know what I mean and New York has a very powerful every artist is very powerful it's all about who's going to be the king or I'm the king and nobody's showing camaraderie and that's where we choose to fall short a lot of times of uh, claiming our throne back and things like that but there are successful artists and I tip my hat to all the younger artists that are coming up from New York City and they are creating their own buzz as you have like Brooklyn drill music. You have uh, Bronx rappers who do the drill music. Shouts to all my Harlem rappers, all my young dudes from Harlem who've been shaking up. I mean, really shaking up. Um, and it's starting to reflect on the radio, starting to reflect with these New York DJs. Um, before the pandemic had started, these uh, songs were being played inside of all the strip clubs and these kids were coming with all the money they was hustling and busting it up and making themselves look good. So, you know, I think New York is on a, uh, has, is on a strong foundation right now. And we've been down so long, the only way is to look up, but we got to kind of stick together just a little bit. A, a little bit of sticking together give us a, a, a lot 
of 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 what we need to uh, accomplish our goals once again. You know what I mean? And New York is still a mecca of music. There's no way around it. Um, tell people every day, you still got to come to New York to get your checks cut if you want to be in music. And you still got to go to L.A. to get your checks cut if you want to be in movies. So, you know, pick your poison. Jimmy, what's the weather today? Shit, I ain't been outside. Well, if I did, I took my, I took my dog to the vet. It was pretty steamy out there. You know what I mean? I, I, I probably give him some weather later. I don't know. It depends on how I feel when I wake up. I think I should start doing it every day again. People seem to really, really like when I give them the weather and a little bit of news and reality with it in the way that I like to do it. I think you might be giving Al Roker a run for his money. I would love to be an, an uh, uh, apprentice of Al Roker um, as long as he doesn't curb the way I like to do things. But the, the the knowledge that he has when it comes to actually being a broadcaster on television is something that I would I would definitely need. You know what I mean? I would take that very... I would, I would need that. You know what I mean? But besides anything else, you know, shouts to Al Roker. He's done a lot for our people and He's done a lot for for television as far as broadcasters and journalism and things like that. And if you've seen Al Roker show lately, it's not just the Al Roker weather show. He's the man on television. Like, he damn near does what he want to do on television in the midst of giving his weather. So, you know. Yeah, I would say I would agree with that. Fashion. Guys down south, Rockwood did said the stolen crossbones was a thing. The skinny jeans was always a thing. He was definitely dressing as uptown as uptown goes. Um, your impact in hip hop to me, as well as Dipset itself, I feel like you guys were the new, you replaced what Wu Tang, I won't say replaced, you picked up where Wu Tang left off at as far as a culture, not just influence in New York, but influence in the South, influence in the West. Do you wear that with a badge of honor? Um, I don't think about it until it sprang to my attention, to tell you the truth. Um, but I noticed it, and I definitely it definitely makes me smile. Um, to know the impact that we made, just being kids from from Harlem and being blessed to be from Harlem, and Harlem being so stylish, and in turn we took that and made our own style with it for the world to see, and they actually gravitated to it and grabbed onto it. I mean, it feels good. I mean, I went to um, I was uh, went to visit one of my uh, one of my good rapper friends. He's a little younger than me probably one of the most famous uh, rappers that are in the industry right now. I don't want to say names because it's not necessary. You know what I mean? But I was in the room. I came into the hotel room and they were watching all my old videos and YouTubes and shit and I didn't know what exactly was going on. I'm like, bro, I, he like, bro, this ain't about you, bro. This is what we do every day without you here, bro. Like, you really been putting on you one of the niggas that we consider the favorite. Like, this happened to be on because this is our daily wake up and get jiggy to, to you, nigga. Like, this is like how, like, this is like part of our culture from coming up and why I was like, I was like blown away. Like, to know who the person was and how they are influential inside this, in, in this industry and in, in turn how humble he was by giving me my flowers and it wasn't even nothing to him by doing it. And just that, felt, that made me feel good. So I don't try to push the issue on, oh, I'm the, I'm the flies. Oh, y'all know who made this. Y'all know, I, I, that's not for me to do. But when those moments happen, those moments do reassure me that you is a bad motherfucker. And I take that more than I take me trying to push I'm the bad motherfucker on everybody else, you know? Well, speaking of motherfuckers, in your song, Baller, you said you had beef at the record, both guns loaded, and now you back, motherfucker. Mm. Rucker Park. Mm. I remember 
mm-hmm. in college mm-hmm. and playing old DJ MV mixtapes. Mm-hmm. And that phone call that you made to Hot 97 years ago mm-hmm. makes this on my line. Mm-hmm. To me, was the epitome of slick talk that a lot of people from outside of New York had never heard before. Yeah. What made you call that day? I forgot who called me. Somebody called me, woke me up, like, yo, bro, your boy Macy's on TV, on, on, the, on the radio <laughs> talking reckless about killer. I'm like, no, he not. Uh, so I remember I, I had one of the personal numbers, the Hot 97 at the time. This is when I was very bad. I like, called them and put, put me through. I don't want to hear nothing. Put me through before I get up out of my bed and come down here. They put me through and I just, I just was on one that morning, man. Just just gave Beth a, a, a air for, you know, and anybody know the history of Harlem, I think. We don't got to go too deep into yeah. it like that. And anybody knows how I feel about Cam and Dipset, you know, I'm, I'm st- I still feel like, feel like that to this day, um, you know, so. I hope nobody crosses the line and have to get another earful. <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember, um, Rucker Park wise? Uh, who, what players stood out to you um, playing that were, you know, just so talented? Uh, Master Rob, Baby Jordan, Sham Guy, Cam, uh, Skip to my Lou. Um, uh, Kareem Reed, mm-hmm. um, uh, Curry Goat. Oh, Curry Goat. Oh, my God. That was one of me and Cam's <laughs> favorite. That nigga, Curry Goat. I swear for God, like some of these individuals would have run the NBA and lit that shit up. But that man named Curry Goat, if y'all are not familiar with Curry Goat, he probably to this day still top three individuals to play basketball coming out of New York City. And you got to remember Rod Strickland, fucking Mark Jackson, Lamar Odom. Remember who comes out of New York City. And I'm putting that man in the top three. And you can ask anybody. Anybody that was in his era and, and was playing with him and know what the caliber of game he was playing, they, didn't want, they really didn't want to get on the court with him. There was nothing you could do with him. Nothing. 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 <laughs> Shout out to OG. OG used to come in there with the teams and, and sauce it up. All his team was looking good. Like Fat Joe always had a great team in there. Uh, Dave, Dave um, that rocking up from Jefferson, they always used to come up to the Rucker Park and go crazy. Um, it was just a lot. I used to like Baby Jordan a lot. Like he didn't get too much. I didn't see him play a lot in, in, in Rucker, maybe like one or two years. But there was a kid named Baby Jordan. He used to have the, the short chain on, short gold chain on playing. And he used to go real dummy out there. Um, then you can't forget you had some of the greats, Kobe, Allen Iverson, KD, uh, um, Dr. J, um, so many great a players. A, oh, a butter, that's a difference. We, I got stories. That's personal. So <laughs> it'd be so personal with A butter. Right. But is this, is this, this, that's a butter went point for point with, um, Vince Carter one game, one, one game inside of Rucker, inside of, um, Inside the Gaucho's gym, when Rucker Park was rained out, they had to move it to Gaucho's gym. Mm-hmm. And A. Butter was playing against Vince Carter. He went point for point, score for score against Vince Carter. They had like 30-something apiece, some shit like that. One of the greatest games in Rucker history. And A. Butter, he's also one of the illest players to come out of Harlem and had a chance to go to the NBAs. But, you know, 
we all have our own demons coming from Harlem, and somehow we always get sucked in. But shouts to A, he's a he's actually a, bas- a basketball coach right now, I believe, for college, if I'm not mistaken. So he's continuing on into the ba- into the basketball tradition and history and legacy. So I tip my hat to him and things like that for mustering up the courage to keep going, even though he didn't do the things that he probably wanted to do. But it's always another way to get to where you want to go. You know, tell me something. I talked to Stefan Marbury and I talked to Jamal Crawford about this. Stefan don't want to look at the past. Jamal talks about it vividly. Were you at Rucker when they were supposed to play that game during the blackout? No, I don't believe I was. I, 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 I wasn't at that game. I was in, during the blackout. I remember I left out, out the out the office downtown and um, when I was working for Kevin Labs and Leo Cohen, and I was in my van hoping that my conversion van, hoping that we didn't run out of gas because of the blackout was so crazy, yo. But I wasn't up there that day, nah. Because I think I, to this day, man, like when I look at just social media, and this was pre Instagram, pre Twitter, pre Facebook, MySpace. Yo, I wonder what it would have been like, just the, the build up, and then the shoulda, coulda, woulda. It didn't, it didn't, but it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, but it was a, there was a lot of games that kind of that that kind of that kind of that kind of were like that. Hold on one second, one okay. second. Yo, bro, let's work out real quick, bro. But you got to come on. Don't take the usual two hours. Let's get busy, man. All right. All right. Know what you were saying, pardon me. No, no, no problem. You were talking. We were talking about the blackout, and I was saying, you know, imagine if social media existed when that game oh, yeah, like, like, was hyped up. Like, there were a lot of basketball games, and there were a lot of matchups that we wanted to happen that we didn't really get to see happen. And those probably one of the illest ones that would have would have happened. And if there was social media at that time, it would have blew that shit. Had more people to Madison Square Garden up at the Rucker. I mean, you got to remember Rucker. We had people hanging off gates by the thousands trying to squeeze in there and the, the fucking full court damn and turn into a half court with hundreds of people moving with the whole bat. If you want a fast break, there's a hundred people behind you trying to watch the fast break as you go to the upside. Yeah. Then the wave of people is coming all the way back. Like it just like it's just is is no other is is is, is no feeling that, that that you could probably imagine come being from Harlem. And then I remember Cam like fifteen he was playing that Rucker. Remember walking all the way up to Rucker while Cam um, about to play a game, stopping on two fifth behind the, the Calvin Klein socks when they first dropped with the gray heel and the gray toe and shit like that. The bootleggers used to have the Calvin Klein rap on it. Mm. Remember, he used to be like, "I got to get some crispy Calvin Klein ankle socks to play the game." That's when ankle socks just first started popping and got real jiggy. Remember, mm. that was all a fad. You had to have the Calvin Klein joints. Went up there playing ball and Cam used to get busy. Man, I remember. Um, he was supposed to get MVP one year, but they gave it to Pop. Shouts to Pop. Pop was from 1199, where we grew up at, me and Cam. Pop mm-hmm. was dumb nice. Pop used to get super, super busy. No, Eastside, they kind of, from 1199, they kind of thought we were spoiled. And, you know what I mean? Like, they didn't think that we had it in us. Pop used to go over there and bust them niggas' ass bad. Shouts to Pop. Shouts to my cousin Dave. It was a few few dope basketball players coming up in our time that, that I've witnessed and got to play against. That That was the funny part. I wasn't, I didn't pursue basketball like Cam and them, but I could get on right. any basketball court with Cam and them and get busy. It'd be a factor. You know what I mean? So, what was Cam and Mace and Marbury like on the basketball court together? So they play opposite teams. So the, it, that was a rival that went on for years, whether it was 
high school basketball games or whether they were very, or whether it was tournament games when Marbury used to come up to LaGuardia Gym. I don't know if you're familiar. You familiar with LaGuardia Gym? I am. With the little ass nine and a half foot rim that nigga used to go off and dunk on niggas. If you don't know what LaGuardia, LaGuardia, LaGuardia was the cafeteria <laughs> with basketball ribs on it. But this tournament was one of the illest tournaments in high school for us coming up because you had all the real basketball players of that era played at right. LaGuardia House. From Marbury to Curry Goat to Kareem Reed to Ziggy to everybody. So even the, what was the dude, um, Spanish dude that niggas used to go crazy for back in the days? Felipe, Felipe, Felipe Lopez. Lopez. Woo! That was a bad he brother. Used to be doing 360 jump shots and shit like that. They say he was like 22 in, in, in high school though. <laughs> they mm-hmm. said he changed his, they changed his birth certificate. He's been looking old forever. He was like Billy Almonte. That was the rumor, but he was dumb nice in high school. I don't care how you put it. He was putting up buckets. Then he ended up going to the NBA. I don't think he did as well as we thought he would do, but he was from Harlem. He went to, he went to Rice, and he got busy, man. You know what I mean? She. Yeah. Jimmy, what was the tunnel like? I was too young to get in. What was it like? Oh, the tunnel was like the Garden of Eden. Like, <laughs> I swear to God, the tunnel was like... I can't really explain it. It was like utopia. This shit was just like, if you was in the middle of a desert and you saw Oasis, you're like, oh my God, like this shit, you go in a tunnel. With the, I, first, I, I guess it impacted me so much because I first went in high school, I believe like 11th grade or 16. Right. One of them, I just remember I was 16. I remember my whole outfit. I had the fucking hobo American flag jacket with the black Calvin Klein dungaree suit with the fucking all white ears with the bubblegum sole. I never forget my bubblegum. My man Dita took us from the block. Dita was one of the biggest hustlers in our area and in our area at the time and things like that. He used to always take us to wherever he went, take us shopping. Like, yo, everybody go get fresh ears. We go to the tunnel tonight. And that from that night on, it was like, yo, it kind of blew my mind and just to get back the next week and all the way, however it was. And then to go to school the next day was like school looking at your teacher, like, like boy, y'all don't want to be here. If you don't understand, I just saw Ice-T last night. I just saw Easy e last night. And I just saw, you understand what I'm talking about? I saw Mike Tyson walk through and make the whole tunnel separate like the Red Sea. None, which one of you niggas would touch Mike with all the jury on by itself? By itself, walked through everybody. Everybody moved out of Mike way. Like, boy, I seen, like, it just came to a point where I was a, a, a fucking member of the tunnel. I used to go. If me and Ken wasn't on the road, it wasn't a Sunday I missed. I was there on the last Sunday when they closed it. I, I remember the reason why they closed it. R.I.P. the killer. Uh, killer was a big fan of oh, the Killer. Killer was from Brooklyn. Charles to Charles Jones. This was his younger cousin. Um, yes. and, uh, end up losing his life uh, through one of these events in the tunnel and things like that and then turn to end up closing the tunnel after that. But the tunnel, you could be in there with supermodels like Naomi Campbell and turn around be next to one of the biggest drug lords in New York City and then at the same time on the right side is 300 Bloods and then on the left side you got a bunch of dots but then you might have Mary J. Blige walking, <laughs> then you might have Diddy walking, or Big Pun and them might come through, Fat Joe and them might come through, like, or Ja Rule might pull up. I remember, uh, <laughs> God bless the dead prodigy. I won't say the story because he's not here. But I remember me and Cam seeing Prodigy in, 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 in parking our car, and we caught Prodigy by himself, parking his car in the same um, parking lot, but he was totally by himself. Um, it just caught us off guard. Uh, just, just so young. And this is when Prodigy and them was popping yellow and black North Face 
um, survival of the fittest and shit like that. This is like, you know, like 98, 97, or maybe 96. This is like before me and Cam really got on and shit like that. Like, this right. still was doing the mixtapes with Clue and shit like that. Um, I remember when Snoop was in there and all the blood started throwing just red rags at the stage and Snoop got nervous. I don't know if he got nervous, but he de- it definitely shook him up. He like, hey, it's all love in here, man. I don't know why they're throwing the red rags, but that was the term of endearment for us because them niggas was tearing that shit up. And if you know anything right. about the culture, Snoop was was God to us because he was representing what we were living, even though they were wearing another color, but the music had no color barrier. It was just about banging. So when they came to the tunnel and they were performing, him and Dre was like, yo, next level. They performed in there for like two and a half hours. Hit after hit after hit after hit. I remember I had the uh, French Sloan Iceberg sweater on that day. I be remember my outfits for, for certain events. I want mm-hmm. to shit like that. It'd be so monumental in my life and shit like that. And I just remember staring at the stage from like where Flex used to DJ at and just watching Snoop and them go crazy. Like crazy, crazy, crazy. I've seen how, yeah. how many pairs of Bally's and British Walkers did you own in your day? Me? I didn't own any pair. I had like one pair of... Uh, British walkers and like one pair of ballets that I got and they were a little bit too big for me but my moms and them were so hood that they whatever my uncle was getting they used to try to make the little version for me but my uncle Ricky and my uncle Cecil my uncle Avery they had all the ballets and the British walkers and shit like that like I'm talking about with the tassels the suede on the side mm-hmm. the ones with the strings and shit like that they was hitting before the wallabies was hitting then my pops used to have all the pumas and all the coquettes I'm talking about every color every flavor suede Whatever you wanted, he had matching with the BVD shirts, with the leaves, with the pinstripes and shit like that, with the permanent creases down the side. Like, I'm a real avid fan of watching all this old school shit because I used to want to wear and rock all this old school shit. I used to wear my Uncle Big uh, V-Bombers. I'm maybe six or seven, and I'm putting on his V-Bomber to go outside. That shit looking like a dress. So I'm a real fan of the hip-hop hustlers culture. He turned me on back in the day tremendously. Do you think that that compares to the sneaker culture, the Jordan culture now? Um, it's a different feeling because you, it's, it's, not the, it's, it's, it's not the same thing that we're doing to acquire sneakers. Like, back then we were hustling to get the Jordans and the feeling of hustling to, to get some money and then run to the sneaker store. I don't think I'll ever get that feeling again. Can't recreate that feeling. It's damn near like getting your first piece of pussy when you was hustling and getting your first pair of fly kicks and you know you was able to get another pair and things like that. I mean, now we keep tradition up because we like to stay fly and we like to keep it like to keep it jiggy like we did back in the day but the fight to get to that back in the day was 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 way more iller than it is now and shit like that but sneaker culture is a very big thing in my life as you know I'm from Harlem and I've been rocking my sneakers since I was younger trying to emulate the hustlers and things like that but you know I, I can't I wish I could get that feeling back of, of back in the day and, and copping my first pair Stan Smith's a copy of my first pair of Reebok Classics. So, you know, just copy my first pair or Hot Top Air Force Ones with the with the forest green check and the forest green strap. Like, it's crazy. You know what I mean? A few more questions. One, Dipset. When Joel gets out, how long would it take you guys to put an album together? Um... I don't know. It doesn't. It won't take us long to do an album, but when Joel's get out, I don't know. What would, be, what would be on his agenda? What's his priorities? Um, I spoke to Cam about that the other day. We're both looking forward to doing music with him. So, you know, when he gets home and gets reacclimated and, and settled in and, you know what I mean, and wants to get busy, then, then we're going to get busy. Or if he gets home and that's the first thing he want to do, well, shit, I can't wait to do it. You know what I mean? But you got to wait for him to get home and, and see how he's feeling. 
The first thing you bought with your check from balling being a hit was. Shit, I don't know. Did I, have to, did I have the Maserati before balling or after balling? I want to say after balling. Probably was the Maserati Cardio Port. That was like the first one in the country with it. The, the, the water blue joint looking like a shop. Yeah, I think that might have been one of the things I brought besides my house that I had brought. And my mama house. I brought my Mia house, my mama house, and then I brought the Maserati, I believe. That's balling. <laughs> yeah. That's felt, balling. Felt good. Felt good. Who dresses the flyest at a dip set? That's the most subjective-ass question I could probably ask. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I just be dressing. You dig? I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I know how to put things together. So for me, I, I don't know. I would say probably Cam. Cam has a whole, Cam has a whole di- different type of a, a, attacking when it comes to getting dressed. As you can see, he like the male Mona Lisa for that pink furry hat on. It's just a different caliber of getting fly when it comes to cam and shit like that you know what i mean i'm i'm more like a like a james dean type of fly like a rugged rugged white boy in, in, in a black body and shit like that i, I kind of know how to put it together um and joelle's me and joelle's is a, is a is a mix of both of us actually now when i look when i look when i look at him and in some of the outfits and how he dresses himself he kind of encaptures everything all in one and shit like that he, he he's the younger one he he put both of our styles together and definitely kills it so you know he has a bit of the Jim Jones flair, but then on the, on the flip side, he has a bit of the Cam flair, and then he has his own flair as he puts all the Supreme and all the young, dope-ass clothes that, like, he was the first person I've seen with Mike and Mary, and I know hmm. that is a lot of people that's going to say, oh, we've been rocking Mike and Mary. Jewels was the first person I've seen, period, with Mike and Mary. I'm talking about period. And if they want to argue with that, they can't. We could go back and forth and Mike and Mary didn't get him, give him nothing. And he brought all that. And he's he still got Joel's got more clothes in the fucking uh department store. And you know, he's been gone for like a year. So he just got a like stupid shit that he haven't worn that's gonna be even flying now because people can't get it. They gonna see that shit crispy new. But yeah. he, he's a rat guy. Like he he's like a hoarder when it comes to fly shit. Like if he likes something. It's a Mary. He got all the, I'm talking about all the Mary shit in his house. If it's Supreme, he got all the Supreme shit in his house. If it's motherfucking billionaire boys club, like he got all mm-hmm. of it, like not a little bit of it. Like he goes to the extreme. Like I need all of it. Like, boy, you spending a hundred thousand on one design and you tripping. But that's Jewel's. Yeah, for sure. Is Jewel's considered the dipset pretty boy? Um, he's the prince. He's the youngest one, so he has a he has he has the youth on his side and all the good luck. So I don't know if we're gonna call him a pretty boy, but you know, niggas be pretty too in a good way. You're hat <laughs> for sure, for sure, brother. It was pretty good to talk to you. Always good to see you. Yes, my brother. I appreciate this time that we had. You always have some great questions. Um, appreciate you. Thank you. All right, man. Enjoy your workout. All right, my brother. Stay up. See you soon. Later. This is Scooby Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Duncan. Come on. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 